Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and uh, we are. I'm inviting you excitedly today to join me for our second installment in Courageous Faith, Standing Firm in a Time of Compromise. We're studying the book of Daniel, and that's what Daniel did. He was a courageous follower of the Lord, and he stood firm in times when he could have compromised. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline of where I'm headed today. It's entitled Dreams, Prayers, and Answers from God, because Daniel found himself in a situation where the king, the most powerful man in the world at the time, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had had a dream and wanted it interpreted. And, uh, but he didn't give anybody clues to what it was. How are they going to do that? Well, Daniel found himself in a very tight spot. This is a message of hope today, um, and I want to welcome everybody who's worshiping with us via video at Pike Road and Cloverdale, Wetumpka, other places on the web. Um, hopefully this will be a message of hope uh, for any of us who ever find ourselves in a tight spot. Uh, you might have uh, been in a tight spot at work. It wasn't that long ago when a woman came to me and she said, I'm just in a really difficult position. I think one of my coworkers hates me and wants to get me fired. And I go, well, why do you think that? And she showed me an email where the coworker said, I hate you and I want to get you fired. Okay, and I went, okay, at least we're clear. How do you handle that? How do you handle that? I talked to somebody not long ago where um, the husband had passed away. He'd handled all the banking and all the investments and all those things, and now the person was alone, and how am I going to face the future? What am I going to do? Um, I get emails. I mean, as I'm doing this message, we're in, uh, on Mother's Day in 2015, and uh, the Supreme Court is going to rule in a couple weeks uh, or a couple months or maybe a month and a half or so on the definition of marriage, and I get emails from people, and they tell me, well, you know, if uh, the marriage of def definition of marriage changes, then those people like yourself who teach the Bible, what the Bible teaches, that marriage is between one man and one woman, well, you could lose your tax-exempt status. This could be a big deal, and this is something we need to worry about. Well, am I going to allow myself to worry about things, first of all, that are a lot of things that are beyond my control, or am I going to pray? How am I going to handle things? What if, I mean, what if the whole culture changes? Culture's big. I'm little. How do I handle that? So it could be at home, could be at work, could be the culture. How am I going to handle stuff? How are you? The good news is we're not the first generation of people who've uh, sought the Lord and followed him. The Bible gives us story after story where we can learn from the example of, examples of others. And Daniel was a man of courage in a time when he could have been a man eaten up with fear. And we can learn from his example. Center point, we believe the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And if you and I will practice and put into practice how Daniel lived out his faith, we will be very well off when we come to t difficult times. So I have a message of hope for you today. And if you need a pen, raise your hand. Our ushers will bring one to you. I hope you'll take some notes because there are some, Daniel sets a marvelous example for us on how to handle difficult times. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that um, today you'll speak and you'll move me out of the way. I thank you for the example of Daniel person of courageous faith who stood firm in a time of compromise. Could have compromised. Many people, I'm sure, did. He didn't. I love it. Look forward to meeting him one day in heaven. Till that time, Lord, I pray that you'll uh, teach us some things so we can live out our faith in our generation, just like he did in his. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. 
Point one on your outline, one night Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, 605 to 562 B.C., summoned his wise men to interpret a troubling dream. John, why do you put 605 to 562 B.C.? Because the Bible talks about real people facing real situations. Nebuchadnezzar was a real king. There's real historical evidence for this. People a lot of times say, well, you can't trust the Bible, what it has to say about social issues. You can't trust the Bible, what it has to say about historical stuff. It's all made up. None of it's true. No, it's true. There's archaeological evidence for this guy. Really existed at the time when the Bible says he did. Real guy. Real story. Real answers. That's why we trust it. Don't let people tell you it's not true. It's true. And God gives us his word so we can know truth when people are trying to help us, trying to confuse us and make us believe things that aren't true. Well, one night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. He called in his musicians, his magicians, his enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, and he demanded that he tell them that they tell him what he had dreamed. Nebuchadnezzar had become king when his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had died. And the kings, there's a note in your outline here, Babylonian kings, the kings of Babylon believed that the gods, that their gods communicated to them through dreams and omens and signs. And so in addition to have a department of defense and a department of agriculture, a department of um, health and human services or whatever they had to take care of things like this, they also had a department of magic. They really did. They had a, people stationed there as wise men, as advisors. And so um, you know, in the point one there, he summoned wise men. You could circle that. These are the magi. The people filling these offices centuries later were the same ones who came to visit Jesus, baby Jesus, with Mary and Joseph. These would have been the wise men from the east, people doing this type of thing. Because the kings of Persia, the kings of Babylon, they put a lot of stock in those things. They would uh, dissect sheep and look at the shape of their livers, and by that they could tell whether they should go to war or not. They would spend a lot of time interpreting dreams. And what's interesting is that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had, had a dream in his second year, and you get the idea that he wasn't too confident that the people in his Hogwarts Department of Magic or whatever it was there, uh, you get the idea that they weren't telling him, he didn't believe they were telling him the truth because he put him to the test. That night when he had the troubling dream, he called them in. He said, I've had a dream. This is in your outline again from Daniel 2. And it deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Well, then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But the king said to his astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you'll be torn limb from limb, your house will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what, what I dreamed and what the dream means, I'll give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. And they said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you what it means. And the king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for more time, because you know that I'm serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. For you have conspired to tell me lies. Here you go, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream, and no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. And please underline this whole last sentence if you have a pen. No one except the gods can tell your uh, can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among people. Nebuchadnezzar had maintained these guys in this department. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't sure that they weren't just making junk up. 
So he had a dream and he said, I'm going to see once if these guys really have contact with the supernatural. They claim that they can understand and divine deep and mysterious things because the gods are speaking to them. Well, it shouldn't be too hard for the gods to tell them what I dreamt and what it means. So here's the test. And sure enough, as soon as he presents them with this challenge, they play their card. They said, look, listen, I had you underline this. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they don't live here among people. So, in other words, you don't know their phone number. Here, you're the wise men consulting the gods, and you don't know how to get hold of them. That's what I thought. All a bunch of frauds. I mean, that was the test. Why am I paying you guys? Because I'm going to tell you the dream, and you're just going to make junk up. And the kings often felt manipulated because these people would say, oh, here's what this means. And we've seen, you know, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars and then we're saying dawning of a day of Aquarius or whatever it is, you know, that's what's going to happen. Well, here's a life application for you and me. God forbids us to consult psychics and mediums and fortune tellers for direction. Here's what Moses said about it in Deuteronomy 18. Uh, he's quoting the Lord here. The Lord had told him to pass this on. Do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witch, witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Why are they detestable? Because they're claiming something that's only in the province of God. They don't know the future. These psychics didn't know the future. They didn't know God. They didn't know the real God, the true God, or how to get in touch with him. In fact, they said, no one except the gods can tell you this dream, and they don't live among people. Well, guess what? We're, gonna, we're studying the story of Daniel, who worshiped the real God, the creator God of the universe, and he does live among people. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen. We can get in touch with him, and he will show us what to do, and he will interpret things that we would never figure out on our own and reveal mysteries to us. You will see this as we go through. It's not just for Daniel's time. It's for our time. And that's why we pray to him. But these guys didn't know God. And now they pretty much signed their own death warrant because the king realized that they were just interpreting what they thought. But that's why we're not supposed to go after this either. I mean, look, I'm standing here this morning giving this message in Prattville, Alabama. If it's not the buckle on the Bible belt, we're pretty close to the buckle, okay? We're in the middle of the Bible Belt here, but there are fortune tellers and psychics and palm readers all around this area. I meet people all the time, and they read their horoscope every day in the paper. And they actually, some people actually put stock in this stuff as if it were real. And then nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, can you guys put that picture up there? I took this, uh, this was a message I got in a fortune cookie a couple of months ago. Uh, John Schmidt will make a name for himself in the field of fashion, okay? <laughs> thought I'd hang on to that one. Uh, I mean, what if you actually believe that stuff was true? Uh, I posted that online, and one person went and said, well, it didn't say you were going to make a good name. <laughs> oh, maybe it is true. Okay. Yeah, but people believe all kinds of stuff, or the horoscope stuff. I have a twin sister. She's six minutes older than I am. I hope we can agree that our just because we're born on the same day at approximately the same time, our horoscope will not be the same. I remember once she read in Seventeen magazine her horoscope that she would meet a dreamy tall stranger. Well, I hope I wasn't going to meet the dreamy tall stranger. 
I mean, what if her horoscope was you're going to have a beautiful baby in the next year? I hope that doesn't apply to me, okay? That I'm going to give birth to a child. Well, John, it doesn't work that way. Why not? If we're born at the same time, same day, the stars are forecasting this. It's nonsense. It's not true. This is detestable. And the Lord says, come to me. Write this in the margin. I wish I would have put this in your outline, but I had so many other scriptures already. I just ran out of space. This is Isaiah chapter 46. This is verses 9 and 10. I am God and there is no other. I am God. There's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what's still to come. And I say my purpose will stand and I will do what I please. God of heaven says that. I'm the only one who knows the end from the beginning. And so one reason we shouldn't go see all these fortune tellers and other things, you may get somebody who is a gifted profiler and can understand a lot. If you tell them a little bit, they can make all kinds of pretty good guesses about where your life would be headed and all those things. You better hope you meet one of those folks because it gets worse. In the New Testament, Paul and Silas had gone to the ancient city of Philippi and they were starting a church there, the first church that had ever been started there. And they ran into a fortune-telling girl who was possessed by a demon. We met a demon, this is from Acts 16, we met a demon-possessed slave girl, a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, well, these men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell us how to be saved. Well, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Instantly it left her. Here they were trying to tell people about Jesus and this, this demon inside this woman was harassing them. These are men, these are servants of the Most High God. They've, God, they've come to tell you how to be saved. These are servants of the Most High God. They've come to tell you how to be saved. And it was just over and over again to distract people. And finally Paul said, commanded the demon get out of her. But the point here, though, and because of that, the people who owned her realized that she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And they had Paul and Silas thrown into prison and beaten for stealing their business. The point, I, the reason I bring that up is it's one thing to be taken in by a huckster. It's another thing to be sitting in a room getting your fortune told by somebody who's possessed by a demon. And that could happen. And the Lord says, don't do this. We are commanded not to do this. Do not see fortune tellers, palm readers, psychics. Don't play with Ouija boards and stuff. I don't know who, who you might contact if you're going to reach out and things like this. Well, what should I do instead? Well, you're going to see that in a minute, how we can turn to the Lord. And that brings us to point two here. So Daniel was in a situation. These guys had been making a pretty good living, advising Nebuchadnezzar, and now Nebuchadnezzar called their bluff. And they failed. And so Daniel was in trouble because these guys had failed. In fact, he found himself in a very hostile situation. Now look, as I mentioned before, we might find ourselves in a hostile situation at work, a hostile situation in our family, a hostile situation in our neighborhood where we're going, hey, this is really tough. I'm in trouble. And people put me in a no-win scenario. And that's what happened to Daniel. The king was furious when he heard this. He ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. I mean, ripped limb from limb, houses turned to rubble. In spite of all that, point A, Daniel handled himself with wisdom and tact. Daniel 2, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill him, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. 
He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? And so Arioch told him all that had happened, and Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. He said, can you at least give me till sunup? I mean, it was the middle of the night. All of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. Come out. Why? We're going to kill you. That's a bad, bad wake-up call. And Daniel did not freak out, run around screaming. He handled himself with wisdom intact. There's a life application for you and me. We're supposed to live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. We're supposed to let our conversation be gracious and attractive. This is Paul in Colossians 4. So we'll have the right response for everyone. If you are here last week, you go, well, John, you made this point last week. I know. It was in the, the story last week. It's in the story again this week. Apparently, it's important that we handle difficult situations with wisdom intact rather than freaking out. My friends, if we find ourselves in a difficult circumstance at work or we find our culture turning against us, to become hateful and rude doesn't help. To freak out doesn't help. Wisdom and tact go a long way. And in just a few verses here, in a few points here, we'll see how um, Daniel achieved that. In fact, it's the next point here. Daniel asked his friends to pray about their situation. He went and asked the king for more time. Can you at least give me till sunup? All right, I'll give you till sunup. Well, then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. And he urged them to ask God, the God of heaven, to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Can you imagine if it had said what a lot of us would do? Then Daniel went home and he put it on Facebook and tweeted everybody how unjust the whole thing was. I mean, this is what a lot of people do. Instead of calling upon God who can help us, we go, hey, let's post this to thousands of strangers. That'll help. People, I have no idea what their background is. I want their advice. Unfiltered. Why would that be a good idea? It's not. And people do it all the time. Let's air our dirty laundry as publicly as we can. Let's publish it in a medium where it can be recopied and resent again and again and again. Why on earth would we do something so foolish? Well, Daniel didn't do that. He said, guys, I mean, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Hebrew names that were listed in the text there. He said, we need to pray. And they prayed. Well, I was, I was preparing for this. I was reading through the notes in the Life Application Study Bible, and sometimes in the margin of the study notes, there's just a gem. And this was one here when they described how important it was to pray rather than panic. And if you guys put that on the screen, they said there's a distinction between prayer and panic. They said this, panic confirms the hopelessness of our situation. Prayer confirms that we have hope in God. I'm listening to that again. I think that it was just so well said. Panic confirms the hopelessness of our situation. Prayer confirms our hope in Almighty God. I mean, where am I going to put my emphasis? Where am I going to spend my time? Am I going to focus on the hopelessness of my situation, or am I going to focus on the hope I have in Almighty God? And Daniel prayed. My mom worked as a nurse in a retirement home in a small town in Kansas. She worked the 3 to 11 shift. 
uh, for years. And I remember one night there was a tornado. Oh, we had tornadoes come through Kansas. I mean, there's a shocker. Okay. But one night there was a tornado that came very close to where she was working. And I remember she and she had, and the other nurses there that were on that shift, they had to get all the residents into a secure location, into a tornado, sh- into a tornado shelter. Uh, and they were all huddled in there. The power went out. And, and it gets really loud when these windstorms come, lightning, hail, all that stuff, terrifying stuff. And my mom uh, was next to one of the other nurses there. I heard about this from another nurse that worked with them. My mom told me a little about it too, but uh, there was another nurse there who had started working there, and um, she did not believe in God, and she made it known to everybody that she thought that a lot of the stuff, the Bible was pretty much made up and was pretty worthless and stuff. And when the storm was coming, I mean, this gal was freaking out. And my mom comforted her because she was scaring the residents who were there and other things. And my mom prayed for people there. And after the whole thing was over, I remember my mom talking about it. And she said, this gal was just in a complete panic. And she said, she kept saying over and over again, I'm too young to die. I'm too young to die. I don't want to die. And after it was over, she asked my mom, she said, well, well, why were you so calm? And my mom said, well, my faith is in the Lord. I mean, he'll protect us. He's watching over us. But secondly, if I die, I go home to be with him. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. And the gal said, well, I don't believe any of that. And my mom said, well, there's your problem right there. And if you knew my mom, that's exactly what she'd say. Well, there's your problem right there. You missed it. You know what the problem with the astrologers and the wise men from Babylon was? They put their faith in little idols that were handmade little idols. They couldn't have told them anything even if they wanted to. They're, I mean, there was, they weren't gods at all. Of course they didn't know the future. They didn't even know where to turn. They said, we don't know how to get in touch with the gods. And Daniel went and said, give me some time. I serve the real God, the creator God of the universe. He will show me your dream. Then he went home to his friend and said, pray that God will show me that dream. And God did. Here's a life application for you and me. If you and I need wisdom, we can turn to God too. We don't know how to handle a situation at work, at home. We don't know how to handle a difficult conversation. We don't know what to do. Well, the Bible tells us this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. Would you read that out loud with me, please? If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. One more time. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. That wasn't just for Daniel. That's New Testament. Daniel asked God for help. He didn't panic. He prayed. I mean, if our culture changes and we're in a difficult spot, you're going to find me praying more. God wants us to pray. He is always more ready to listen than we are to pray. The problem always comes back with me. I'm the one who struggles listening to him. There are many things he is crystal clear about in his word. He's revealed it completely. I'm the one who doesn't want to listen and obey. So are you. I mean, Mark Twain was the one who said, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand in the Bible that bother me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. We read this scripture every so often here because it's just so true. 
Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard, listen to this, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego could have peace because they focused their hope on the almighty God of heaven who can solve mysteries, who can reveal things. They didn't focus on the impossibility of their circumstances. And that's what God wants us to do today. I have no idea what you're facing in your life right now, but if you've come here today with a re- and you're in a tough spot in a really difficult circumstance, God brought you here today so you could hear this. Maybe you only came here today because mom made you come. It's Mother's Day. Mm, Got to go to church. Or maybe all this week you've been fretting and worrying about a situation going, I have no idea how to, how to handle this. God knows how to handle it. Can I remind you to come to him? If you want some help praying, you can call me. I love to pray. I love to help people turn their problems over to God. God really hears us when we pray. Point C, well, Daniel thanked and praised God for revealing the king's dream. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel praised the God of heaven, and he said, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings, sets up other kings. Please underline that. Do you know the kind of God we worship? We worship a God who controls the course of world events. If you believe that, would you say amen? He removes kings and sets up other kings. If you believe that, would you say amen? He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things, and he knows what lies hidden in darkness. Please, oh, you can underline that one too. I pray a lot of times for people when they're going, I don't understand. I don't understand why this person has it in for me. I don't understand why someone won't listen to me. I don't understand this or I don't understand that. You know what we pray for? In my office, we stop right there and we go, okay, we're going to pray and we'll read this passage and a couple of others and we'll go, and I'll show you another one we read. God shows us hidden things. God, will you reveal to us the hidden things? Is there a hidden motive? Is there a story behind the story that I need to know? Because this doesn't make sense. Would you show me what's going on? Have I given someone a reason to be offended at me in the past that I don't remember? Have I done something? Or is this something way over in left field that I don't know anything about? Would you show me what's going on? Would you reveal the hidden things? You'd be amazed at how many times that prayer is answered. And people go, oh, well, now I understand them. Now I understand them. I went to a funeral and met the person's sister. And and I went up to him and asked him about this. And I said, well, you know this, don't you? And it's like, no. Oh. And all of a sudden, someone I've been terribly angry with forever, now I have deep compassion for them. My whole heart changed. God will do this for us if we call upon him. Daniel actually believed it. He actually prayed. And God showed him what to do. There's a life application for you and me. God will do the same thing for us. He'll reveal things to us through the Holy Spirit if we surrender our lives to him too. Well, that's good for Daniel, 600 B.C. Wow, great. What application is there to me? I mean, I don't live back then. No, but you know what we do live? We do live in a time where if we give our lives to Christ, Christ said after he died, He said before he died, he said, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be raised on the third day. I'm going to send to the Father. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to ask him to send the comforter to you, the Holy Spirit, and he will guide you into all truth. 
Jesus said this. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, look, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us, to us, the followers of Christ, that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Look at that. His spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. But we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. You don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. And it's probably a good thing you don't know what I'm thinking most of the time. I'm always glad about that because I don't even understand my own thoughts half the time. Okay. But the point is this, is that if I wanted to know your thoughts, if your spirit could be put inside of me, then I go, oh, I know what they're thinking. Well, praise God, that's the deal we have through Christ Jesus. When we come to him and surrender our lives to him, he says he will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to us, and he will live inside of us. So now I can know what God's thinking. That's why when I read the Bible and the word that God himself inspired, I'll read it, and it's like the words jump off the page sometimes and hit me right between the eyes. God is speaking to me through the word. Other times I'll be praying about something and I will have that peace that passes all understanding. I know the right thing to do. I know. I have peace about it. Maybe nothing else changed, but God changed my mind. He gave me peace because his Holy Spirit dwells with me. I know his thoughts on this now. And there are times, just as I said, when I'm praying about something and I'm so frustrated about a situation and then I'll walk into a conversation or I'll be a part of something and I'll believe, oh God, you meant for me to hear this. Because now I have a complete different understanding of the whole thing. You answered my prayer. Yeah. That's why we don't go to astrologers and mediums or extra larges or whatever they are, okay? We don't need them. Why do you want to go consult those people? Come to the God of heaven. Surrender your life to him. His Holy Spirit will be in you and you'll have access to the very mind of God himself. This is what we believe. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? But if we say amen, then why do we worry so much and why do we live in fear? Daniel didn't panic when they came to his house. Middle of the night, we're here to kill you. He handled himself with wisdom and tact because he knew his God was in control. When he found out that he was in a terribly tough spot, he laid the tough situation before God because God was in control. And Daniel gave God glory when he explained to the king how he was able to interpret his dream. Listen, this is just an amazing story. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, the king had renamed him. Daniel means God is my judge. Belteshazzar means that Daniel was subject to Bel, the lead god of of the Babylonians. But Daniel was showing, no, he's the subject of the real God. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream means, was, and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. They were half right when they said they couldn't do it. But here's where they were wrong. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. I need an amen there. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I'll tell you your dream. 
The visions you saw as you lay on your bed, and while your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. And he who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it's not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. And when I come and pray with people, and they experience an answer to prayer, they go, I've got to start coming here and praying with you all the time. And I always go, no, it's not because I have a DSL hookup to heaven and you don't. It's because God answers prayer and he wants you to understand what he has in store for you. We can pray anywhere. And that's why God wants us to pray. And it's disgusting and horrible and dreadful to think of people going and consulting a palm reader. You mean you can consult the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth, and you'd rather go talk to a palm reader? What the heck? Point three, God is in control, even when it doesn't seem like it. This point is going to be in every single message of Daniel because it is the mega theme of the whole book. Whatever situation Daniel or his friends find themselves in, when they turn to God, God shows them what to do because God is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. Would you repeat that statement with me, please? God is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. One more time. God is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. Now, we're going to be put to the test on this, whether we really believe this. Daniel was, and he believed it. And listen how it turned out. After he interpreted the king's dream, here's what happened. The king said to Daniel, Truly, your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position, gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole, prince, over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all the wise men, all of his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon. And so here is Daniel, a teenager taken captive from a Jerusalem, hauled off to Babylon to serve in the king's court. He's only been there a couple of years. And now who's, who's bowing down to who? The mightiest emperor in the whole world is falling down, bowing down to the exile, to the captive. And why? Daniel said it wasn't because he was smarter or wiser than anyone else but because God had revealed it to him. Oh, if we would just trust the Lord. Oh, if we really would believe he's in control. And we'd pray for wisdom intact. And we'd pray that God would reveal the secret things to us because he knows them. And if we'd spend time listening to him, He wants us to pray. 2 Peter 2.9, God knows how to rescue godly people from trials, from evil trials. But we have to believe that. We must not shrink back when we face a test. In the back of your outline, there's some discussion questions for connect groups. The last question, question six, is this, or the last discussion point there is, at center point, we often say that in order to grow in our relationship with God, we need to surrender, listen, pray, and obey. Four things we need to do. Daniel did all those things. The only question is, will you and I? If you're facing a tough time, no better time to do it.
Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just thank you that you have given us this example of Daniel, of courageous faith in a time of compromise. There are many people who would tell us to compromise our convictions or to give up on prayer. Prayer doesn't work. God isn't real. None of it's true. But I thank you for stories of people like Daniel. They just trusted you. And you ask us to do the same. Daniel's a real person. Nebuchadnezzar was a real person. And I love how the story ended. After the dream was interpreted, Nebuchadnezzar fell down and praised the God of Daniel. God, I want my life to be lived that way. Where people would be ashamed of what they said if they attacked our faith. I want us all to live that way. That they'd give you praise and glory. If you'd like to be a person of courageous faith, would you first of all ask that God would make you a person of faith? It starts with the faith part. God, would you help me believe in you? Would you help me trust you? So I wouldn't panic. So my first recourse would be to pray. God, I thank you for Daniel. I thank you he knew enough as a teenager to pray and ask you to show him what to do. He was humble enough to admit there's nobody on earth who can do this. The astrologers are right on that. But they're wrong about the fact that there's no God who lives among people. There is a creator God, and he does, and he answers our prayers. And Lord, I thank you that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're there right beside us. You comfort us so we don't have to be afraid. If you're facing a difficult situation in your life or you know someone who is, would you pray about that right now and say, God, would you bring wisdom? God, would you bring courage? And God, would you remind us to pray rather than worry? Pray it now. If you're facing a tough spot or you're in a tough spot or you know somebody else who is, pray right now for wisdom, courage, and direction. Reveal the secret things, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.